The Guardian. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Mr Nick Smith. One, please, sir. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House wish to join me in paying tribute to Rifleman Sheldon Steele from 5th Battalion, the Rifles. He was a highly respected soldier who had achieved a great deal and showed much potential during his time with the Army. At this very sad time, our thoughts should be with his family, his friends and his colleagues. His courage and his dedication will never be forgotten by our nation. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Nick Smith. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to our brave serviceman who gave his life for our country? Yeah. Our thoughts go to his family at this very, very difficult time. Blaine Gwent, my constituency, has high unemployment but great potential and would benefit greatly from a £200 million private sector-led investment in motorsport. Can I ask him to provide support for enhanced capital allowances for enterprise zones in Wales, including Blaine Gwent, as well as in England? Can I thank the Honourable Gentleman for that question? Can I first of all congratulate him and the other 37 members who have opted to grow additional facial hair in this month of uh, November? It is a very good way. Uh, for those who are capable of doing so, it's a very good way of raising the profile of this important illness, prostate cancer. We are committed to providing enhanced capital allowances. Discussions are ongoing with devolved administrations about enhanced capital allowances in their enterprise zones. We will do what we can to help in Blanagwent as elsewhere. Also, I'd add that we are obviously electrifying the line to Cardiff. We're looking for improvements on the M4. And all of the announcements made by my right hon friend, the, the Chancellor, yesterday will have have consequentials for additional spending in Wales on infrastructure. The Richard Drax. Speaker, I'm confident that the Prime Minister, like me, would praise the courage and professionalism of the Portland Search and Rescue helicopter. I'm also confident he will share with me the alarm, anger and disbelief of my constituents and many other colleagues in this House with coastal constituencies that it is to be axed. Will he meet with me and a small delegation from South Dorset to discuss this urgent matter before a disastrous mistake is made? Well, I'm very happy to meet with my honourable friend, and I know how important it is that we have effective search and rescue facilities off our coast and the incredibly good work that they do. What the government is looking at is the best way to deliver those services, including how they should be paid for, and it is important that that work goes ahead. Ed Miliband. Mr. Speaker, can I, Mr. Speaker, can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Rifleman Sheldon Steele from 5th Battalion, the Rifles? He served with huge commitment and courage, and our deepest condolences are with his family and friends. Mr. Speaker, in June, at Prime Minister's questions, the Prime Minister praised the head teacher of Vayner First School in Redditch for refusing to strike. Today, she's closed her school. She says. This has been the most difficult decision of my professional life. The difference in the summer was that I had faith in the government. I have not seen any progress, so I have decided to strike. Why does the Prime Minister think so many decent, hard-working public sector workers, many of whom have never been on strike before, feel the government simply isn't listening? 
The reason people are going on strike is because they object to the reforms that we are making to public sector pensions. But I believe those reforms are absolutely essential. And as the former Labour Pension Secretary, Lord Hutton, said, and he said this, it is hard to imagine, it is hard to imagine a better deal than this. But what I would say above all to people who are on strike today is that they are going on strike at a time when negotiations are still underway. The right honourable the right honourable gentleman refers to what was said in June. Let me remind him what he said on the 30th of June. These strikes are wrong. These strikes are wrong at a time when negotiations are going on. Why has he changed his mind? Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker. Order. I say to people who are engaged in orchestrated barracking, it's very tedious from whichever side it comes. It's very tedious, it's very juvenile, the public don't want to hear it, neither do I. The Leader of the Opposition will be heard, as the Prime Minister will be heard. And that's all there is to it. Mr Ed Miliband. To workers don't think he's listening is because they declared negotiations at an end four weeks ago. They said they'd made a fine, their final offer. They said they'd made their final offer, Mr. Speaker, and uh, and they haven't even met the unions for four weeks since November since November the second. And what and what has the Prime Minister gone round saying to people? He's gone round saying he's privately delighted the unions have walked into his trap. That is the reality. He's been spoiling for this fight. And, and, the re and the reason people have lost faith is he's not being straight with people. Will he admit that 800,000 low-paid workers on 15,000 a year or less are facing an immediate tax rise of 3% on his pension plan? I know his entire party is paid for by the unions, but I have to say... I have to say, it is extraordinary that what he's just told the House is completely and utterly untrue. Yes. The, fact is, yes. the fact is, there were meetings with the trade unions yesterday, there will be meetings with the trade unions tomorrow, there will be meetings on Friday. These discussions, these negotiations are underway. And let me repeat again what he said in June. It is wrong to strike when negotiations are going on. And yet today, he now backs the strikes. Why? Because he's irresponsible, left-wing and weak. Mr. Mr. Speaker, the difference is that, unlike him, I'm not going to demonise the dinner lady, the cleaner, the nurse. People who earn in a week what the Chancellor pays for his annual skiing holiday. Now, 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 Mr. Speaker, now, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Order. Members on both sides of the House need to calm down. If there are senior members of the House who think it's the laughing matter, let me tell them that it isn't. The public would like to see some decent behaviour and a bit of leadership on these matters, and so would I. The Leader of the Opposition. Mr Speaker, he is the one, and he didn't deny it, 
who went around saying he's privately delighted because they'd walked into his trap. And that is the reality. And, and, the, and the truth is, Mr. Speaker, it's not, just, it's not just public sector workers who are paying for the failure of his plan. It's private sector workers as well. Can he confirm? Can he confirm that as a result of the cuts to tax credits announced yesterday, a family on the minimum wage taking home £200 a week will lose a week and a half's wages? Well, first of all, let me be absolutely clear. I do not. I will answer his question. Again, the Prime Minister's answer, however long it takes, will be heard. That is the principle of democracy. The Leader of the Opposition must be heard and the Prime Minister must be heard. The Prime Minister. Absolutely clear. I do not welcome these strikes one bit. I think we have made a very reasonable, very fair offer to public sector workers and that is why the former Labour Pension Secretary says that it is hard to imagine a better deal. I don't want to see any strikes. I don't want to see schools closed. I don't want to see problems at our borders. But this government has to make responsible decisions. Let me just remind him and remind the House about the facts about the public sector pensions. Anyone earning less than £15,000 on a full-time equivalent salary will not see any increase in the contributions they have to make. In terms, in terms of the reforms we're making, a nurse retiring on a salary of just over £34,000, today she would get £17,000 pension, in future she'll get over £22,000 pensions. A teacher, a teacher retiring on a salary of £37,000 would have got £19,000, will now get £25,000. These are fair changes, and I'll tell you why they're fair. We rejected the idea you should level down public sector pensions. We think public sector pensions should be generous. But as people live longer, it is only right and only fair that they should make greater contributions. But what we are seeing today is a party opposite that is in the pocket of the trade union leaders that have to ask their permission before crossing a picket line and that take the irresponsible side of trade union leaders that have called their people out on strike when negotiations are underway. Now let me answer his question about the low pay. And let order! 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 Can I just remind the Prime Minister very gently, there's a very large number of members listed on the order paper, backbenchers whom I want to hear, I know he'll want to hear, a brief sentence will suffice. I'll wait till his, trade, his next trade union sponsored question and then I'll give my answer. Mr Speaker, I'm proud, I'm proud that millions of hard-working people in this country support the Labour Party. Better that than millions from Lord Ashcroft. Now the problem is, the problem is, he doesn't understand his own policy, but he doesn't understand that there are part-time workers earning less than 21,000 who will be hit. 800,000 low-paid part-time workers, 90% of whom are women, will be paying more, and he denies it. But it is true, Mr. Speaker. It is the reality. He sits there shaking his head. He doesn't understand his own policy. And of course, and of course. And of course, and of course, Mr. Speaker, he couldn't explain or justify what he did 
to everyone on low pay with the miserable deal cooked up with the Deputy Prime Minister to cut a billion pounds from tax credits yesterday in the, in the, in the autumn statement. They have, no, they have no explanation for why they're doing that. Now, now, let's, let's see. Uh, I, order. I say to the Honourable Gentleman, I don't require any assistance from him. The Leader of the Opposition will come to a question. Now let's try, let's try on another one. What will unemployment be at the time of the next autumn statement on the OBR forecast? If you compare the end of this Parliament with the start of this Parliament on the Office of Budget Responsibility figures, and let us remember the Office of Budget Responsibility is independent. Yes. When he was sitting in the Treasury, the figures were fiddled by the ministers and by the advisers. That no longer happens. What it shows is there will be half a million more people in jobs, there will be 90,000 fewer people on the claimant count, and the unemployment rate will be 7.2% instead of 8.1%. That is the OB are forecast that is not fiddled, that is independent, and that it was it shows. And let me just answer his question, as I wasn't able to earlier about helping the poorest people in our country. It is this it's his party, by the way, that got rid of the 10p tax, the biggest attack on the working poor. And it's this, it's this government that has taken 1.1 million people out of tax, that's frozen the council tax, cut the petrol tax, introduced free nursery care for two, three and four-year-olds, and is putting up the child tax credit by £390 this year and next. That is a record to be proud of, instead of his appalling record of attacking the working poor. With, with child poverty going up as a result of the autumn statement yesterday. And the truth is, he couldn't answer the question because he's too embarrassed by the truth. Two, next year, the Education Secretary should calm down, Mr Speaker. He, he tells children to behave, why doesn't he behave himself? Two, 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 he, he's too embarrassed, Mr Speaker. He's too embarrassed. 2.8 million people out of work, according to the forecast of the Office of Budget Responsibility. Because he's another Conservative Prime Minister for whom unemployment is a price worth paying. And because he's failing on unemployment and growth, he's failing on borrowing. He told the CBI conference last year, no ifs or buts, by 2015 we will have balanced the books. Will he now admit that on the central test he set himself, he has failed? He complains about the level of borrowing, but his answer is to borrow even more. That is the utter illiteracy. Let me, let me tell him. Let me tell him what we are doing. Because we have a plan to meet the mandate and to meet the test set out by the Chancellor in his emergency budget, we have some of the lowest interest rates in Europe. That is right. For every percentage point they went up under Labour, that would be another £1,000 on a family mortgage, another £7 billion out of business, and another £21 billion onto our national debt. That is what you would get under Labour, and that is why it is this government that will take the country through this storm. Mr Speaker, he's borrowing an extra £158 billion to pay for his economic failure. The truth is, Mr Speaker, 
the truth is, his plan has failed. He refuses to change course and he's making working families pay the price. At the very least, we now know he'll never ever be able to say again, we're all in this together. The leader of the Labour Party has taken sides today. He's on the side of the trade union leader that wants strikes and not negotiations. He's on the side of people who want to disrupt our schools, disrupt our borders, disrupt our country. And when it comes to borrowing, he can't even bring himself to say that we are welcoming the fact there are low interest rates. Let me tell him this. The shadow shadow chancellor, Mr Speaker, they're all shouting in unison. Or or should I say... They're all, I think, or should that have been they're all shouting on behalf of Unison? I'm not quite, uh... Mr Speaker, let me just remind the House, let me remind the House of what the Shadow Chancellor said about low interest rates. The Shadow Chancellor said this, long-term interest rates are the simplest measure of monetary and fiscal policy credibility. That is what he said, and that is what this government is delivering. Mr Speaker, we are being tested by these difficult economic times. We will meet that test by getting on top of our debt, getting on top of our deficit. He is being tested too, and he is showing that he's weak, left-wing and irresponsible. Assume government backbenchers have some interest in listening to Joe Swinson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I'd like to associate myself with the words of condolence from the Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition. Ten years on from the military intervention, more than three million girls in Afghanistan are now in school. With the Bonn conference on Monday, will the Prime Minister send a clear message that the rights of those girls should not be traded away in a false choice between women's rights and security, when the evidence shows that women's involvement in post-conflict resolution is essential for stability? First of all, can I wish my honourable friend and and everyone in Scotland or is Scottish a very happy St Andrew's Day. Um, She's absolutely right to talk about women's rights in Afghanistan and all too often we talk about security but without talking about some of the things that that security is making possible. And it is the case that whereas in 2001 there were less than a million children in school, none of them girls in Afghanistan, today there are six million children regularly in school, two million of whom are girls. All of those who those of us who've been to Afghanistan and met women MPs and other leaders in that country who want to stand up for women's rights know what an incredible job those people are doing and we are on their side. Lillian Greenwood. According to the OBR, half a million more people will be on the dole in 2013 than previously thought. A terrible human cost, but how much more will be lost in tax and paid out in benefits as a result of his Chancellor's economic failure? What the OBR shows is that by 2015, you're going to have half a million more people in jobs, fewer people on the claimant count, and a lower unemployment rate. But there is a serious point here, because the figures do show a sharp decline in public sector employment. That is shown by the figures. There's a much bigger increase in private sector employment. But what I would say to the party opposite, in fact, to everyone in this House, if you want to reduce the amount of unemployment from the public sector, you have to reform welfare. 
which they oppose. You have to freeze public sector pay, which they oppose. And you have to reform public sector pensions where they're on the side of the irresponsible trade union leaders. Mr Lawrence Robertson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is the Prime Minister aware that in the last financial year, taxpayers paid over £113 million to trade unions in terms of paid staff time and direct grants. In the light of today's disruptions to hospitals and schools, is it not time to review that situation? I think it is time. I think the idea of full-time trade unionists working in the public sector on trade union business rather than serving the public, I don't think that is right and we're going to put that to an end. I think it is absolutely uh, the case uh, and I think that, that the evidence today makes that even stronger. Kate Green. Why is the government freezing working tax credit which helps the lowest paid workers, including those whose wages are too low even to pay tax, to uh, make work pay? As the Honourable Lady will know, what we're doing with child tax credits, if you take this year and next year, there's going to be a £255 increase this year, which is the largest ever increase in child tax credits, and there'll be a further £135 increase next year, an increase of 5.2%. I think that is actually the right increase in, in terms of child tax credits, and in terms of helping those families and genuinely helping people to get out of poverty and stay out of poverty, helping on nursery education, helping get low-paid people out of tax, I think that is even more valuable. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Yeah. Th thank you, Mr Speaker. As uh, the United Kingdom's borders are being kept open today by patriotic volunteers, yeah. will the Prime Minister consider imitating the robust action of the late US President Ronald Reagan in relation to recalcitrant traffic, air traffic controllers? I do want to thank all those people, including a number of people from Number 10 Downing Street, who are actually helping to keep our borders open and to make sure that Heathrow, Heathrow and Gatwick are, are working properly. Perhaps I could report to the House that so far the evidence would suggest that around 40% of schools are open, less than a third of the civil service is actually striking. In our borders, the early signs are the contingency measures are minimising the impact. We have full cover in terms of ambulance services, and only 18 out of 900 job centres have closed. So despite the disappointment of the party opposite that support irresponsible and damaging strikes, it looks like something of a damp squib. Yeah. Mr Speaker, can I ask the Prime Minister if he came into politics to, to sack three quarters of a million civil and public sector workers, most of whom are women and most of whom have families? Yeah. I came into politics to try and improve the welfare of people in our country. And the fact is, and the fact is at, the end, at the end of this public sector pension reform, those people working in the public sector will have far better pensions than most people in the private sector who are contributing that money to them. Now look, I know you're paid to ask questions, you don't have to be paid to wave as well. That is the point. I'll, I'll, I'll calm down. You give the money back to the unions and I'll calm down. Mr Christopher Kelly. 
Will my right honourable friend join me in condemning the outrageous attack on our embassy in Tehran yesterday and also join me in paying tribute to our diplomatic staff serving in such difficult environments with such distinction? Now, I certainly join my honourable friend in doing that, and I'm sure that the whole House will join me in praising the incredible devotion of our staff in the Foreign and Diplomatic Service, who often face great dangers, as they did yesterday in Tehran. I chaired a meeting of COBRA yesterday and another one this morning and spoke uh, to our ambassador about the safety of his staff. That should be our number one concern, their safety, their security, and making sure uh, those are maintained. After that, we will consider taking some very tough action in response to this completely appalling and disgraceful behaviour by the Iranians. Order. Closed question. Mr Graham Allen. Question number six, Mr Speaker. Um, I lead a committee of Cabinet Ministers to look specifically at family issues, including the importance of early intervention. It is central to what this Government is trying to achieve. We do believe that if you change the life chances of the least well-off, you have a much better chance of genuinely lifting young people out of poverty and keeping them there. I take a very close interest, as do my right honourable friends, the Education uh, Secretary and the Chancellor, in the work of the Honourable Gentleman and the very real difference he's made in terms of prioritising early intervention in our country. Graham Allen. Uh, can I thank all three party leaders for their consistent support for early intervention and their generous welcome for my two reports. May I ask the Prime Minister to make early intervention with babies, children and young people a theme for all departments in the next comprehensive spending review, so that not only will all children be able to make the best of their life chances, but also government and the taxpayer will be able to reduce the massive costs of failure, including educational underachievement, 120,000 dysfunctional families, summers of discontent and many, many lifetimes wasted on benefits. I think the Honourable Gentleman makes a very sensible suggestion. I think we can look at that in terms of the next spending round, but frankly I don't even want to wait for the next spending round, and that's why the family committee that I lead and that the Deputy Prime Minister sits on as well is actually looking at how we can make things like the intervention on the 120,000 neediest, uh, most broken families, how we can make that effective. Government spends a huge amount of money on these families if you look at all the different departments, but we're not satisfied that money has been spent actually intervening in those families and trying to turn them around to, to solve their very real problems. So we have a programme for doing that right now, but I hope he'll continue with his very, very positive work. Question 7, Mr Andrew Rosendale. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will be aware that there remain 16 British overseas territories around the world where the Union flag still proudly flies. Will he pledge that Her Majesty's Government... Will he pledge that Her Majesty's Government will protect, defend and cherish the loyal subjects of all of those territories. I, I can happily give my honourable friend that guarantee. And let me add that the overseas territories will remain British as long as the people of those territories want to maintain their special relationship with us and the Union flag will continue to fly over the Governor's residences. We're increasing our assistance to overseas territories. You'll be familiar with what we're doing in St Helena with the airport. And of course next year we're going to have the anniversary of the liberation of the Falkland Islands and I think that will be a moment for genuine celebration across all overseas territories. Julie Hilling. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My constituent, Jackie, contacted me to ask how she's going to manage with a 3% tax on her pension, 
no pay increase until 2013 and rocketing fuel and food bills. How is she going to feed her family? Why is the Prime Minister making people like Jackie pay for his government's failure? Well, the, the fact is, I'm afraid, the whole country is having to pay for the failure of the last government to get on top of debt and deficit. But what I would but what I'd say to his constituent is we are trying to help. That is why we're freezing the council tax. That's why we're cutting the petrol tax. That's why we're taking 1.1 million of the poorest people out of tax altogether. That is why we're increasing the child tax credit in the way that I said. And we'll continue to take all those steps. But what I would say to her constituent, as I'd say to all others, the most dangerous thing we could do right now is lose control of our debts and see interest rates go up. When this government came to power. When this government came to power, our interest rates were the same level of it as Italy. Today, Italy's interest rates are 5% higher. If that was the case, you'd see higher mortgage costs, you'd see businesses going bust, you would have a real problem in our country. That is the policy of the party opposite. Una Bruce. What message does the Prime Minister have today for the thousands of people who run and work in small businesses in my constituency of Congleton, who work tremendously hard to keep those businesses and the local economy going, and who can barely afford, in some cases, to make provision for their own pensions? I think, I think the Honourable Lady is entirely right that this government is squarely on the side of people who work hard, who play by the rules, who want to do the right things for their families. And to all those people, I would say to them today, thank you for what you do to contribute to public sector pensions that are far more generous than anything you're able to afford. But for our part, we promise to make sure that public sector pensions remain strong but are affordable. And what is so notable about today is the party opposite has taken the side of trade union leaders that want to actually disrupt our country. Diana Johnson. With taxpayers set to pay up to £100 million to BAE Systems to make workers redundant, is the Prime Minister aware that £100 million would actually pay for five new Hawk planes to be built at Brough for our Red Arrows? Isn't that a better use of £100 million? I strongly support British Aerospace and all that they do. It's an extraordinarily strong British company. They have the full backing of the British government and an enormous order book from us in terms of the Strategic Defence Review. And also massive backing from us in terms of selling Hawk aircraft and Typhoons, Eurofighters all over the world to countries that need them. Clearly at Bruff there have been issues and difficulties. That's why we put in an enterprise zone and we'll do everything we can to help those people and help that company. Spencer, thank you, Mr. Speaker, does the Prime Minister share my belief, and until recently the belief of the Leader of the Opposition, that now is not the time to strike until negotiations have been completed? gentleman makes a very good point and just in case just in case anyone didn't get it the first time these strikes are wrong at a time when negotiations are going on negotiations are going on so the leader of the opposition should think they're wrong he doesn't think they're wrong because he's in the pocket of the trade union leaders frank roy village in the country home helps carers nurses and teachers are on strike for the very first time in their life are these hard-working people? Well, well, we hear laughter from the other side, but it's no laughter to hard-working families. Are these hard-working hard people out of touch, left-wing, trade union militants, 
as demonised by the two parties opposite? Or are they men and women who are saying to the government, enough is enough? Of course, I know people feel strongly about this, but we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to deliver an affordable public sector pension system. We've rejected the idea of levelling down public sector pensions. What we will deliver in terms of public sector pensions is a generous and fair offer, which will give public sector pensioners, unlike others in our country, a defined benefit system. That is why Lord Hutton says this is an incredibly generous offer. What a pity it is that the party opposite has left reality and won't back that view. Andrew Bingham. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will know that I recently held a small business event in my constituency and many of those small businesses complain bitterly about the red tape and bureaucracy they have to jump through to deal with public bodies. What message can the Prime Minister send to these businesses as we look to them help rebuild the uh, economy to get rid of some of these obstructive bureaucratic nonsense? Well, my honourable friend is absolutely right to raise this, and that is why we've introduced the red tape challenge, so that all of these rules are published online and businesses and individuals can tell us which ones can be scrapped without actually harming public safety. At the same time, we have the one-in-one-out rule, so that ministers can cannot introduce a new regulation until they've scrapped an existing regulation. This government is determined to scrap unnecessary regulation and help small businesses to employ more people in our country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. At the last spending review, the Prime Minister said that the additional £110 rise in child tax credits would help have an impact on child poverty. Now that he is taking away that rise and freezing working tax credit, can he say how many more children will be in poverty in the coming year? Yeah, yeah. But what we're doing in terms of the child tax credit is it's going to be £390 higher than at the time of the last election. That is a £255 increase this year. That is the largest ever increase in the child tax credit. And we're adding a further £135 next year, an increase of 5.2%. That is what is happening in terms of child tax credits. Let me just make this point in addition. If you increase the pension, you actually see child poverty figures go up under the definition used by the party opposite. I think it's right we increase the pension. I don't think you harm the life chances of children by giving pensioners what we've given, which is a record cash increase in pensions next year. Minister to ensure that this House remains a free and democratic institution accountable only to voters? And does he share my indignation that some members had to ask permission from the GMB to be here today? Order! 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 There's a matter of basic courtesy here. The question from the Honourable Lady should be heard. I think she's completed her question, but it really is a lesson for the future. When questions are being asked, they should be heard with courtesy, and when the answers are given, whatever members think of them, they should be heard with courtesy. The Prime Minister. I think it is genuinely baffling to people that somebody who said they wouldn't back strike action while negotiations were underway has come to the House of Commons today to speak on behalf of trade union leaders. I want to say it's a flashback to Neil Kinnock, but even Kinnock wasn't as bad as that. Does the Prime Minister think it fair that the Chancellor yesterday decided to take just 300 million extra from the banks and 1.3 billion from working families in this country? Is that a fair distribution? 
If you look at what the Chancellor actually announced yesterday, he announced we will be taking £2.5 billion off the banks, not in one year because of a one-off bonus tax, but every single year. It is this government that is properly putting a tax on the banks, and it's the party opposite that year after year gave knighthoods to Fred Goodwin, didn't regulate the banks, didn't tax them properly, and gave us the biggest boom and the biggest bust that we're having to recover from. Last but not least, Mr Roger William. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Uh, while I welcome the reduction in corporation tax, and I'm, I'm sure that will encourage those businesses to expand, 90% of the businesses in my constituency are not incorporated and won't benefit from that tax reduction. So will the Prime Minister ensure that in the spring budget uh, these businesses are given similar tax incentives so that they can uh, ensure that they will grow to their full potential both in the economy and in the communities they serve? Yeah. Can I again praise the Honourable Gentleman for the magnificent specimen lurking underneath his nose um, and the efforts that he's... Um, but what I would say to you is, we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait for the budget in order to help these small businesses. We have already extended the rate relief freeze for small businesses, and of course the national loan guarantee scheme that is going to help small businesses get access to credit. That will be up and run, running soon. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk/audio.